0: now from the sunbury motors studio here's steve jones sunbury motors 4th street in sunbury sunbury motors kia routes 11 and 15 in hummels wharf and online at sunburymotors.com ford lincoln kia hyundai fabulous new inventory great selection of pre-owned inventory Ah, the way everything is on this particular day, yes, yeah, Sunbury Motors 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Key, routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf, but maybe on this particular day, check everything out online at sunburymotors.com. Uh, Brett Veach scheduled in a few moments, Mount Carmel Zone. The Mount Carmel High School grad is the general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll hear from him in a few minutes. He'll be calling in to us. First, our play-by-play call of the day, Kyler Edwards, deep three for Texas Tech against Oklahoma. Shannon gives it up, and Edwards knocks it down with four on the shot clock. That, That guy might be the X factor for this season. Kyler Edwards, who played 42 minutes in two Final Four games as a freshman... That is Bob Wischusen with the play-by-play call, and the who's terrific in his own right, and also Fran Frischilla, whom I talked about yesterday. Fran Frischilla is just one of those guys to me, a really terrific analyst. Is that when the game is over, did you learn more about the game you were watching, and did you learn more about the game itself? Hey, okay? Fran fills that bill for me every time I watch him, and he's terrific. College basketball tonight, Penn State in action against Wisconsin. The rematch will be at 8 30 tonight. And Dick and I will be on beginning at 8 o'clock this evening. And you'll hear it right here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. And then they've got Maryland coming up on Friday at 7. And then it's Michigan State after that. Then it's Nebraska after that. And Away we go. See how many of these they can get in down the stretch. That's 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 a big part of this. How many of these can you get in down the stretch? And Penn State's been able to get in the last six. This will be seven coming up tonight since coming back. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah, draft from NFL Network. Number nine prospect, Micah Parsons. Number 27, Jason Owe. Number 38, Patrick Fryermuth. So thought we'd pass that along as well. So there you go. And we're going to talk about the Super Bowl coming up. And you know, not just the Super Bowl. I don't know how much I'm going to get into, uh, like, the game itself. Because it, what Brett Feech has done in roster construction is thoroughly brilliant. The contract with Mahomes, thoroughly brilliant, which opened the door for other contracts You have to be so skilled in this game of not only evaluating personnel, which he personally did with Mahomes when he went down to Texas Tech, but then you have to be really, really good on the money aspect of it, of how to make the entire puzzle fit together and keep your core group together. And he's been able to do that. He's been able to do that. That's where the brilliance of all this comes into play. You know, he evaluates Patrick Mahomes. He thinks he's worth the pick. Okay. There's no getting around it. So all right. So what we'll do here is we'll take a break. That'll then open the door so that when Brett calls in, we can get right into it and and uh, not have to be worried about the break. We'll do that. Step aside on News Radio ten seventy WKOK. Bye. All right, great to have you with us on the show today. Art Leach in a few minutes, Money a little bit behind. The Chiefs called us to let us know that, which is fine. Last time I checked, he's the general manager of a team in the Super Bowl, so something tells me that 4:15 or 3:15 Central Time is not going to be exactly on the nose. <laughs> so if he's running behind, he still calls us, that's fine, perfectly fine. All right, so let's get to... Uh, Mike Yurcich, the new offensive coordinator at Penn State, he met with the media today. Yeah, Mike is a lot like James Franklin who, by the way, is celebrating his birthday today. Coach Franklin's 49 as of today. Uh, but, you know, he spent time in the PSAC PSAC, as did Mike Yurcich at Edinburgh and Shippensburg.
1: I went to Edinburgh, Pennsylvania Division II school. I spent six years at Edinburgh, and was coordinator for five of those years, coached quarterbacks all six years. Uh, Lou Tepper was the head coach there my first year. Um, Learned a lot from Lou, very detailed, organized coach, and then Scott Browning took over. Learned a lot from Scott as well. From there, I went to Shippensburg, uh, coached for Mark Macheski, awesome guy, great leader, and learned a lot from him from a structural standpoint. And uh, a lot of the things I do today throughout my day. Uh, I I did back back then at at Shippensburg as well.
0: It's interesting. Lou Tepper is one of the – that Mike worked with him because Lou Tepper is really a terrific defensive mind. Now, when you're an offensive guy, offensive core mind, you can learn a lot how to attack when you're around a great defensive mind, which is interesting. Uh, Okay, so from that point now is offense – what do you think the offense will look like in the end?
1: So it's not gonna be a Mike Yursich offense. It's gonna be a Penn State offense. Um it's gonna be an offense. there's there's three keys to it, really. Um, traits, if you will. One physical. We want to be a physical offense. two. we want to be a smart offense. Three, we want to be a skilled offense. We're gonna be a talented offense, obviously, from the players that we're able to recruit here at Penn State. But we want to be tar, uh, smart, uh, tough, smart, and skilled. Tough, smart, and skilled. And so when we line up, the most important thing is our players, how we line them up in formations and how we get them matched up. And lastly, it's plays. So players, formations, and plays. And, uh, you know, that's been the key to our success, having a physical mindset. And there's there's, you know, the game – Hasn't changed in over 120 years, or however long it's been playing. It's still one up front. We got to be physical up front. We've got to do a great job recruiting up front, and then we have to put speed on the field. Playmakers. We got to have a guy behind the, the center that can make decisions and be accurate with the the football. Um, what kind of you know quarterback is that? We've we've won with all kinds. Guys that can uh, run it a little bit better than than some. But the most important thing is we have to be able to throw it accurately. We have to be smart. We have to be tough. We have to be good leaders at that position, and we have to surround them with really good playmakers, guys that can make plays in space.
0: See, there's some key in that. Number one, he talks about the offensive line always being important because it is, and you still have to be able to run the football in today's game. Uh, Jack Ham and I are both big believers that you still need to run the ball. Now, it doesn't matter what order you're in. It does not matter if you if you feel you need to run it to set up your pass. Because you can also set up, you can also pass to set up your run. But if you have some semblance of a threat of balance out there, the threat of it, that's how you keep defenses off balance because you have the threat and the ability to do both well. What Mike Yurcich does that I really like in watching—I've watched some Oklahoma State video and I've watched a lot of Texas video. He does a great job of setting up matchups, especially on the outside. He sets up good matchups. And he also does a great job of setting up plays, sequences of plays, which then opens the door after he sets you up to take deep shots because he's got you thinking one way and then he hits you finally with what he really wants. So, what is he looking for in a quarterback? He didn't get specific about Sean Clifford. He wants that to be an evaluation to be safe for after spring practice. So what's he looking basically for in a quarterback?
1: Well, it's always a challenge, and you never want to think that you figured it out. So I take a humble approach, I'd like to think, into each job. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, I think we have to understand a couple different things at that position. What's really important is that our eyes have to be right and our feet have to be right. And if you have those two things going for you on each play, then you you give yourself a chance for success. So I don't know what happened in the past, and I'm not here to judge that right, wrong, or indifferent. But what we'll do moving forward is make sure that the quarterbacks, his eyes are right, he knows where he's looking, where he needs to be looking, and wherever we tell him based on whatever particular scheme that we're running. So his focal point and his eyes are disciplined, and he's always steady, steady, with how he progresses through his his progressions how he moves through his progressions and nextly is his feet he's got to have a good platform he's got to transfer his weight those are things that we can control where our eyes are our eye discipline and our feet discipline and then on top of that you know it's about the the individual's accuracy and, and their talent load.
0: and so he'll get started and he already has started with making this happen But again, I really like the um, I really like the way he sets up his sequences, where he eventually he gets you conscious about something, and as soon as as soon as he feels that you're conscious of it, boom, he then makes it work against you, and he takes he takes his shot at it. You know, very interesting. Look, he's got talent to work with. He didn't really get into the talent blueprint here. But, I mean, you do have a a quarterback going into his third season as the starter. You've got a dynamic wide receiver in Jahan Dotson, a tremendous prospect in Parker Washington. Now, what do you get on the other side? Do you get a a real advancement from Keandre Lambert-Smith? Do you see something now from maybe Malik Mega? Do you see something from Norvell Banc? We'll see how that works out. Or maybe somebody else coming in, like a Lonnie White. We'll, we'll find out what they want to do there. He's got running backs. Yeah, Noah Kane will be back. Kevon Lee showed us a lot. Keziah Holmes, you like him, get Devin Ford. And so you've got, you, you have a lot to work with here. And for the most part, a veteran offensive line. You lose Michael Menett. You lose Will Fries. You lose Pat Friermuth. But between Brenton Strange and Theo Johnson... You saw the foundation of a very good tight end spot. You'll have a new tight end coach there because of Tyler Bone. It looks like it's going to go to the Jacksonville Jaguars but um, with, to go with Urban. But you look at the offensive line. As the season went along, Caden Walls got better at the right tackle. Rasheed Walker has established himself as a very good left tackle. There's a good reason why Mike Miranda was second-team all Big Ten. And Mike Miranda can give you time at center or he can give you time at guard. Des Holmes is a guy that I thought had a good chance to start till he got banged up in the preseason. Uh, so he'll be back, healthy, ready to go. Then you got Juice Scruggs. Well, the more Juice Scruggs played last year, the more you were just impressed and he just kept playing and playing and getting better and getting better. I was impressed by that. A young guy like Sal Wormley is somebody that has a lot of potential, so I mean they they have a chance of a, a, a very good offensive line, very good offensive line. All right, um, I got to give you one Dustin Pedroia story. You'll love this. So Pedroya is not big in stature, as you know. He's listed at five nine, but people around him will tell you that he's probably five seven. So in the 2007 World Series, at this point he is in his rookie season. He led off Game Seven against the Indians with a homer into the uh, into the Monster and left, set the tone. They won it. to go to the World Series. The Red Sox go to Denver up two games to none. Now, I don't think now Pedroia had never played in Denver before had never played in Denver before. So the Red Sox are going into the clubhouse. You know, some are straggling in here and there, and he kind of straggled going in. And the guard stops him, won't won't let him in. He says, excuse me, who are you? He says, I'm one of the Red Sox players. He says, really? He says, and who are you? I said, I'm Dustin Pedroia. Oh, you're Dustin Pedroia? Really? And then he looks at the guard and he says, Why don't you ask Jeff Francis who I am? (laughs) Jeff Francis was the starting pitcher in Game 1 of the World Series. And on the first pitch of the game, Pedroia again hit it into the monster seats in Game 1 of the World Series off of Francis. Why don't you ask Jeff Francis who I am?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is amazing.
0: He's only 5'7". well, he's only five seven. He didn't, I mean he didn't look at me. He's like David Ortiz walks in, you're like going, holy mackerel. Look, <laughs> look at the size of that guy. Right? <laughs> yeah. Jonathan Papelbaum walks in, good sized guy. Beckett, you know, good sized guy. Okay. They all said, you know, Veritek. Okay. Pedroya. Now remember, Pedroya is a rookie, so he's not really, quote, an established player. <laughs> Guard's like, oops. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, let him in and then away he goes is the guy a Hall of Famer? I don't know probably not I mean probably not so so I'm going to ask your opinion here. we're going to do a little on-air stuff here do you want to take the break now or do you want to wait?
1: I think we can take it now and then right. we should be good. To, so, that'll give us enough, enough time, I think, to get him set right. up, hopefully. And then if not, we'll just keep it rolling until our uh, final break we, we got to it. take.
0: You got it. Okay. So we'll take a break now on News Radio 1070 WK. Okay
1: taking your calls at 800-795-9565.
0: This is the Steve Jones show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Fabulous New inventory, great pre-owned inventory, and of course we tell you that Sunbury Motors is at Fourth Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Key is at Route 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. But eh, on a day like this, where they're clearing everything out, much check everything out online at SunburyMotors.com. All right, so we've got basketball coming up tonight. Dick Girardi and I will be on hand for that one. Penn State and Wisconsin at the Kohl Center and stay looking for the sweep after beating Wisconsin 81-71 Saturday in the Jordan Center on the day where Myron Jones had 20 Myron Jones had 20 points and there's some guys that go about their business in such a way where then you look down at the stat sheet and you say holy cow Uh, I'll I'll give credit where credit's due. A lean forward of uh, Wisconsin was like that. He ended up with 15 points in the game. Like, wow. Yeah, it was a pretty good game. Myron Jones and Jim Ferry made the point in the postgame show. He said, well, I kind of feel like Myron should give us a little bit more. And he said he looked at the stat sheet, and he had 10 points. He thought... Oh, man, I I don't think I know what I'm talking about here. <laughs> he literally said that. I don't think I know what I'm talking about. And then when you get to the postgame, you look and see Myron Jones has 20. Now, did it feel like Myron Jones had 20 points on Saturday? Now, Brock had the big slam. Harrah's working hard. So Brockington had 18 points. Harrah had 17. You notice that. And then you look down, the leading scorer was 8 of 12 from the field, 3 of 3 in threes. And had twenty points. You're like, wow. Yeah, himself quite a game, didn't he? You <laughs> didn't feel like you're sitting there watching this twenty point masterpiece. <laughs> Some guys are like that. They just go about their business. And then you look down and say, wow, pretty good day. They're really going to need more of that from him tonight, obviously. They'll have to do a good job defensively on Trice, and they're going to have to do a good job defensively on Davison. Because Trice is the kind of guy that can get going, and he's six for his last 23 from the field. So he's been fighting a little bit of late, but he's the kind of guy that, boom, hits a couple shots, hits a couple shots, and away he goes. I mean, suddenly you look up, he's got 25. Davison is six for his last 26. Now, he's been struggling as well, but he's the kind of guy, especially at home, that can pop a couple threes and it can change the tone of the game. They did a good job on Potter the other day. Uh, Potter did not hit an outside shot. His makes were all dunks, literally, in the game. When he hurt Penn State last year, he hurt Penn State Taking last year your calls because three-point shots. And, you know, that's that's where he hurt him. Well, he didn't hit one of those games. It, it, that's the way it – you know, I think they both ended up with seven made threes in the game. But that'll be tonight. Now, what does Bucknell have going on now? now Bucknell's only playing weekend, so who's next on the weekend slate here?
1: Loyola's coming to town this weekend. Eh, okay. All right. Women are home Saturday. Men are home, are home Monday night, actually. They're not playing on Super Bowl Sunday.
0: Monday night. All right, good what they didn't want to play Sunday night I don't get this what's the problem
1: hey I'm okay with it that was the one thing I was afraid of
0: that's a a joke (laughs) well did I ever tell you the story I I was a lifelong New York Giants fan you know because I grew up in Connecticut you know people think I'm a Patriots fan this was the NFL AFL I was the you know in our house it was you know the NFL right so Giants, the Giants are terrible in nineteen sixty six. They're one twelve and one. Like a like a nut. I'm I'm eight years old at the time. Like a knucklehead. I'm watching every game. They're one twelve and one. I'm watching every play. Yeah. So they're not good. They get Fran Tarkin, and they're better. They hang in there. They don't make the playoffs. Pretty much think to myself, man, the team I'm rooting for is never going to go to the Super Bowl. So finally Super Bowl twenty five comes up. They make it or excuse me, Super Bowl Twenty One comes up, they make it. They're going to play in the Rose Bowl against the Broncos. Wouldn't you know it? I have a game that day at St. Bonaventure up in Ole' Inn. So, no. You know, well, and of course, you know, you don't fly You don't fly to Ole' Inn, right? You bus. You to know, bus up, stay overnight. Uh, I, I think our game was at noon or something like that. Get on the bus, come back. I finally get my team into the Super Bowl. I missed the entire first quarter of the game. (laughs) The first time I started looking at the game, I was dropping off the radio equipment in the sports information office. (laughs) It doesn't matter. I'd rather have the job than the team winning the Super Bowl. I'd rather have the job. The job's better better on an everyday basis, for goodness sakes. But I always thought that was ironic. They finally make it. And I'd always watched every quarter of every Super Bowl game. It was the first quarter of a Super Bowl game I ever missed. And it was when my team was playing.
1: <laughs> of course.
0: <laughs> they won. Yeah, they won. Phil Sims had a great day. He was twenty two at twenty five. Great day. That was a great team too. That you know, then when they won Super Bowl twenty five, that's where Bill Belichick made his mark. Everyone talks about, oh look, Brady made the Super Bowl without Belichick. they you know, that's why the Patriots won. They had Brady. Well, Brady's a big reason why they won. But believe me, Belichick's a big reason, too. Belichick, you know, people forget. You know, Belichick had two Super Bowl rings before he went to New England because he was with the Giants as their defensive coordinator. So when they played uh, the Bills with that explosive offense, Andre Reed, Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, I mean, they had some terrific players on that Bills team. It was Belichick who came up with the two-four-five defense for that game. They played two down linemen, utilized Lawrence Taylor as a third-down lineman with their with their linebackers. Uh, Carl Banks had a good game. Harry Carson, I think Gary Reasons was the other one. Uh, maybe it was Pepper Johnson. I think it was Gary Reasons. And and then they utilized five defensive backs. And Belichick told them it was okay if Thurman Thomas gained 100 yards rushing. Well, the defense was furious about that. Nobody gets 100 yards against us. He said, look, if he's doing that, that means they're not scoring. And it was such a great defensive plan. That defensive plan book is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And let's see. That would have been, what, 1986 season? So Brady would have been eight when Belichick won his first Super Bowl. So believe me, he's capable of winning without Brady. He may have been a coordinator, but he can't pull winning about without Brady. He helped win, helped win two. So, it's funny watching uh, the, this show where they had Belichick and Parcells together. They said, yeah, there's our two right there. And then he looks over at the other two Super Bowl rings that they had in the case at uh, MetLife Stadium, and he says, yeah, and those are the two of them. He says that we gave them. <laughs> I talk about the Patriots losing to those Giants. Uh, let's see. Uh, the Angels have suspended Mickey Calloway, former Mets manager, now the pitching coach for the Angels. Here's an athletic story in which five women accused Calloway of lewd behavior. In a statement this afternoon, uh, Marie Garvey, who's the Angels spokeswoman, said, late yesterday we were made aware of allegations reported in The Athletic. This morning we suspended Mickey Calloway and work closely with Major League Baseball to conduct a full investigation. Callaway initially denied the wrongdoing, a source told ESPN, which prevents the Angels from firing him without cause that it could be reciprocated from an investigation. Major League Baseball and the Angels are hoping to wrap up that investigation relatively soon, perhaps before start, the start of spring training. The five women, all of whom spoke to the athletic anonymously and work in sports media, accused Callaway of inappropriate behavior that included sending shirtless photos, requesting nude pictures, and in one instance thrusting his crotch on a reporter's face while she attempted an interview. The behavior spanned five years, according to the story, and his employment with three organizations, including his stint with the Cleveland Indians as a pitching coach and the Mets as a manager. In an email response to The Athletic, Callaway wrote, rather than rush to respond to these general allegations of which i have just been made aware i look forward to an opportunity to provide more specific responses any relationship in which i engaged has been consensual and my conduct in no way was intended to be disrespectful to any of the women involved i'm married and my wife has been made aware of these general allegations the athletic story came two weeks after espn reported a string of explicit unsolicited text messages sent now former mets general manager jared porter to a female reporter in 2016 One of which included an image I'm not going to get into the image uh, Porter was promptly fired But he owned up to the transgression So there you go That's the story on Mickey Calloway Then there's Eric Biennemi Who works for Brett Feech. Uh Biennemi has done a fabulous job There's no getting around it And he says look He says it's always about getting the right job, he said. Sometimes the job and the person have to connect. There has to be a connection. The only thing I can do is, is be my authentic self. That's who I am. I can only be me. Some team has to want me. For some reason, that chemistry has not been a fit. There's not been that opportunity to connect, but that's okay. At the end of the day, I have the opportunity to go out here and work for the Kansas City Chiefs, which is a great organization. I'm excited about the opportunity that's been presented to me. The other stuff, I can't control that. It's out of my control. The only thing I can worry about is today and moving forward, and I need to help our guys be the best they can be on Sunday. Uh, He said he's been dealing with the disappointment by focusing on the game Sunday. He said, we've had a great deal of success here. That's placed me in the situation where I've been recognized to interview for some jobs, BNME said. Those interviews, for whatever reason... I've not been hired which is okay because at the end of the day I still have the opportunity to go out there and help our team pursue and win art and get our goal. Yes, there's a focal point where you are focused on that interview, but once the interview is over, it's time to turn the page. I can't sit here and dwell in pity because when all is said and done, I have a responsibility to the Kansas City Chiefs to make sure that we're mentally and physically ready to come to play a game day that's who I am that's how I operate Biennemi also said I learned a long time ago how to persevere through adversity the beauty of it is not so much that I have to persevere because that's going to take care of itself it's making sure that whatever is taking place with Eric Biennemi is not becoming a distraction to anybody pursuing their own dreams and goals so that's what he said all right, so what we'll do is we'll take a break. We'll see if we can get Brett on in a few moments as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. All right, great to have you with us on the show today. Just so you know, if uh, it doesn't work out with Brett Feach being on the show before 5 o'clock, we are working to still do something with him if he's available, and we think he will be after the show. That will air for you tomorrow. All right. So if he doesn't, if he's not on now, we'll put him on tomorrow's show. That's what that's what we're looking to do right now. The Chiefs have been great about it. I mean, the Chiefs have been fabulous about how to how to set this up. They have let us know at every turn about a delay here and a delay there. He just was uh, doing an interview now. They had a video problem on Zoom. That's why there was another delay. So these things happen, and that's is not an issue. As much as we would like to see things work perfectly and smoothly and how everything fits into its own time slot, you know, things happen. That That is no issue for us. Uh, last we checked, uh, our ability to get him on the show is still going to happen, and it may not be during this particular time slot, but it will it, then be in tomorrow's time slot. And guess what? That means you, the audience, will still get a chance to hear him, And that's that is important uh, I think, and I think it's important to him I think he, it's important for him to have people hear him in his hometown uh, the hometown that meant so much to him along the way uh, and that will be obviously one of the questions I will ask him at, at some point about what uh, you know your, your youth sets a foundation for, for who you are along the way you know, and your hometown helps set that foundation. And this is something where I mean I can attest to in my life, my career. Hey, I mean you people out there, let's face it, would not know where Enfield, Connecticut is on a map. Right? But I've mentioned it a few times. My brother has. Peter King, when Peter's been on, he's mentioned it. And living there and growing up there because everybody was around loves sports. We love sports. Yeah, you know, we were always six o'clock at night in the summertime on a dirt basketball court playing hoops. We go to a we'd go to a, a school and we'd find a field, you know, during the summer and, and, and play baseball. This is after we played a little league season. You know, there's so many things that we did, and you know, we were always playing football always and that's the way it was i mean i grew up around a lot of a lot of kids that love sports the way i did and that sets your foundation in a lot of ways for you know what you like what you dislike maybe what you want to do maybe what you don't want to do you know and i I'll, something tells me mount carmel did that for brett and that'll certainly be something that we'll ask him here when we get the opportunity to and talk to him about that. It is uh, it is remarkable, and you knew it was going to come up this week, and about the Brady-Belichick thing. It's an infantile conversation. It really is. Uh, look, coaches need players to make things happen I talked about Belichick in his time with the New York Giants well guess what he had a defense that had Lawrence Taylor Leonard Marshall Harry Carson Gary Reasons Carl Banks I mean you can go on and on with the great play Terry Killams I mean he had some terrific players on that defense terrific players I mean, schemes, you can draw up all the beautiful schemes you want if you don't have the personnel to pull it off, okay? At the same time, you can have all the skilled players in the world, and if you have lousy schemes, you're still not going to get anywhere. So the two do work hand in hand. Talent makes, obviously, a huge difference. Brady made a gigantic difference in what the Patriots were able to do. There's no getting around it. He's a phenomenal player. But then you get into these weeks where it becomes that infantile conversation. And that's what it is. It's infantile to me. Where, uh, Who's more responsible? For goodness sakes. You know what? Lesser talent around him. Lesser players around him. Brady is still going to be really good, but does he win six Super Bowls? I don't know. You know, Belichick does his part. Brady does his part. They won six of them. It was 10 years where they didn't win a Super Bowl. But you get into the, these just worthless debates. Okay? You got an absolutely phenomenal player. You got an absolutely phenomenal coach. And one should not take away from the other. I just don't... I, I don't... I mean, I understand we're in this 24-7 world of talk. I get that. But we get into these worthless, I mean, just worthless debates. I mean, after the, the AFC NFC Championship game, I'm listening to somebody, a, a show, and I don't listen to too many of these. But it was an ESPN show, naturally. Who's greater, Brady or LeBron? My God, like, oh, for God's sakes, they play different sports. Who cares? doesn't matter. Yeah. I think one of the obligations of doing these shows is that you try to tell everybody how it really is. In other words, you know, when I mean like how it really is, uh, when I'm talking about okay, let's let's just take something that's recent. So Penn State's playing Wisconsin, right, in basketball. We talked about the speed, and then when you look at a Maryland tape, you can see that Maryland, which probably would be the most, more, a team more similar to Penn State, and how they gave Wisconsin trouble. And there are a couple spots where Maryland's better than Penn State, but there are a couple spots where Penn State's better than Maryland. And that's why you discuss going into the game the speed versus the power part inside, the patience part versus. Uh, How you're able to fast break and make something happen about keeping the, you know, the the man between the ball and the basket. I Wisconsin might struggle to keep Penn State's speed in front of it. Conversely, how Wisconsin is able to hit key outside shots and how they run the swing offense and the swing gives you a post on every single play, every possession somebody is posting up and that that can give Penn State trouble. That's what to me. If you can do shows like that, where where you're at least giving somebody a foundation as to either what they just looked at or what they should be looking for in a game, to me, now I may be way off base here. I may be way off base, but that's more valuable than. What do you think? Who's better, Brady or Belichick? I just don't think. I think that's worthless conversation. It's worthless. Okay? Hey. We're going to get Brett Veach here on the show here at some point, okay? Well, one of the things I want to talk to him about is about roster construction, um, and and to me, the, there's been a brilliance to what Brett did with roster construction. And that's probably going to be the first question I ask him, because with the salary cap and everything like that, he's kept his core group together. And that's been important.